Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where keen-eyed viewers will recognize that we stopped beating dead horses in episode 64. You'll win a no prize for that. Today, we discuss Marvel Superheroes Adventure Game, which given the sheer number of these samey-sounding Marvel things, you will probably more easily recognize as the Saga Edition one. Will we love it? Will we hate it? Will John use it to try and make the juggernaut? Stay tuned, true believers, for System Mastery! Folks, Jeff here. Before we start today, I just want to fumigate this episode for Angry Ghosts via quick admission. We were not playing this review with a full deck. By which I mean we didn't realize the deck that this game comes with was only half opened, leaving us with an incomplete set of cards, and we did not in fact realize that until midway through bonus content character creation. We just thought the copy we were reading had a duplicate card pack, but alas, it's actually a 100 card deck that this game comes with and not a 50. Also, we didn't ever open the other half, because this isn't our copy we were reviewing, and we didn't want to mess up someone else's sealed collectible. So, take that into account as we move forward. Thanks, and have a nice listen. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to System Mastery, the podcast where we do the things we do, and I'm Jeff, and that's John. Mm, doing things we do. Yeah, that's right. That's, doing that yeah. thing you do. Yeah, I like it when you do the thing you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right there <laughs> so uh we have a really super brief announcement mastery this morning before we start the episode um this one's interesting uh one of our listeners decided to send us some cash for an announcement mastery plus a little extra uh to because they wanted us to buy frivolous things and then report on our frivolity yeah they got a raise and they were like you know what i need to do with this give these two j jag offs some money see what they do with it uh, so um, we'll send out our special thanks to Discord user Tactical Celebrant. Yeah. So congratulations on your raise. Good on you. And uh, one of us has decided what we're going to do with our dumb money. Yeah. Our, our, uh, sweet, our, our sweet tiny influx of, of silly money. And that's me. So I'll just go ahead and tell you uh, what, what your, uh, your contribution has gone forward to funding. So first of all, I took the whole half of my amount, the, uh, the, the, the a little extra plus half of the value of a of single announcement mastery, and I bought an Ewok army. Hooray. Yeah, so that's with a Star Wars. A real live, living, yeah. breathing Ewok army. Shockingly inexpensive, given that people still classify them as vermin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Even though they're sentient. Weird. I mean, yeah. they're not supposed to be legal in California. They're an invasive species. Oh, I, I'm technically not allowed to import them. I just am an owner of them. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to. I'm definitely going me. to. Yeah, I'm going to keep them in my basement based on that uh, that tornado warning we got this afternoon. <laughs> wild it was, did you get the same one where it was like please shelter in an available basement bitch we're in california <laughs> oh those you are used not... the bog standard tornado warning uh -huh. thing that don't work here i guess it should just send us a picture of that guy shrugging because he's gonna die yeah <laughs> it was like oh what should i do i don't know go down to a cellar or or what <laughs> i don't know I'm, I, I normally in the event of uh, twisters i hope that philip seymour hoffman will make me a big steak but he's dead so well Man, I really don't know what my options are. I don't know what to do. I'm at <laughs> loose ends. Yeah. Anyway, I bought a Star Wars Shatterpoint. That's one of them various, uh, I think it's Atomic Mass game, uh, uh, army games, miniature war games. And I bought two boxes of Ewoks. Uh, they are, they're called like Yub-Chi-Wana and Yub-Nub, um, where I'm going to get things like Paplu and Logre and Wicket. 
all the named Ewoks, all your favorites, all the all cool the Ewoks, best ones. plus some like soldier Ewoks available in bows and so on. They both also came with a single non-Ewok unit. Oh. Uh, one of them's got an R2-D2 and C-3PO on a single plate, and the other one's got uh, a Leia in her forest outfit. Oh. But I'm like, why would I field the humans and droids when I could field noble Ewoks as far as the eye can see? Hell yeah. So uh, not only am I going to build them, I'm going to do my best. I'm, an, I'm a glacially slow painter, but I will do my best to post my progress on that in the, the tabletop games thread in our, our uh, Discord. Awesome. So there you go. That's what I bought, spent my dumb money on. John, I know you haven't even started looking into that yet. Yeah. We'll, we'll do a second report when we get the time. Uh-huh. And other than that, we're ready to start the show. Hooray! You know, here comes that theme song music again. Do 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 do. I don't know how it goes. I, I don't listen to it anymore. It's been years. <laughs> here comes do, that theme song. Do 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 That song. All right, that counted, right? And then a guy kind of comes in at the end, and you can almost hear what he's starting to say. It's like, uh, I didn't know what to say when she first told me she was leaving for the moon. I think is the only bit that's in there. Yeah. 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 That's our theme song. That's it. Uh huh. That's the theme song. Yeah. So uh, how you doing? I'm all right. I'm okay. Yeah? We got uh, one case of COVID at the house, which I have thankfully dodged. Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling like I'm taking a big risk just letting you anywhere near me. Nah, I got... carrier. I got uh, vaxxed recently. Yeah. And then, that you know, matter. tested on, like 20 minutes ago. It's on your fucking clothes, you <laughs> miscreant. Yeah. You never do well. Yeah, I went and took the outfit I was going to wear today and just rubbed it all over him. <laughs> Yeah, hey, let me get your stink on it. Here, breathe deeply into this. I'm immune. But apparently, like, that has just been going around. My entire family in D.C. had it this past week. Uh-huh. Where it just made its way through the whole house. It was like, oh, my parents got it. The wee My babbins? sister got it. Her husband got it. The two wee babbins got it. Oh, I was no. Like, Jesus Christ. Oof, that's scary stuff. Yeah. I know it's got a super low problem rate for really little children, but still, you just don't want that. No. So that was one of those things where, like, my mom sent me that text the day of finding out that uh, we had COVID in the house. And I was just like, oh, Jesus. All right. Yeah. Look at that. It's one of them bugs that's affecting both. You know, it's it's a uh, it's almost like there's some sort of pandemic. Yeah. Well, it's only affecting these two ends of the country. So I think it's probably a coastal liberal elite disease. Yeah. Yeah. It's that sweet liberal elite sandwich. Uh-huh. It's a flyover uh, virus. It's probably because people in the middle of the country are eating their ivermectin like they ought to. <laughs> like they ought to. Yeah. And bleaching their hydro hydroxychloroquine or whatever. And their assholes. And their, and their assholes, yeah. <laughs> like you gotta. Gotta get those white starfishes all across the Midwest. <laughs> all across. Uh-huh. As far as the eye can see, pearly white assholes. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, I'm not wrong. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> tobacco yellow stained assholes <laughs> so uh marvel superheroes adventure game perfect time to bring that up right yep perfect time for that uh-huh <laughs> it's clobbering time it says on the back there in quotes it says it yeah uh this is the second i think of the marvel or third i forget the order i think this is the third yeah i'm i was like i think third but god knows they're like seven of these fucking things i don't know i think there's five of officially licensed marvel rpgs it might be second it might be third this game does have the rules for do you have a character in the old phase rip marvel superheroes here's how to convert it to the saga edition rules oh if you've got phase rip then that would make this the second because phase rip is the first yes i mean it's obviously not the first 
This came out in 98. Looks like there's six of them. Marvel Heroic Role-Playing, Marvel Multiverse Role-Playing, which is... I, the I think latest one. Oh, these aren't in order. No. And, you, and one of these is a list, so never mind. I was right. There's five. Marvel Multiverse, which is the most recent. Marvel Heroic. Marvel Superheroes, which is the oldest one. Um, Marvel Heroic is the other, the Margaret Weiss one that we did in like uh, yeah. 2013, from 2013. The, po- the like point by one. No, that one's called Marvel Universe. The oh, one that Jesus was Jesus Christ. Yeah. There's too many of these. And fucking that's Marvel they all have games. the same fucking names. Yeah. Well, they all have to be Marvel something, so they're all going to have the same structure to them. There's Marvel Universe and Marvel Multiverse. And superheroes and superheroes adventure game are also two different ones. This is adventure game. Yeah. No wonder people just call it Saga Edition. Exactly. This one's from the 90s. Uh, yeah, 98. 98. It feels very 90s in terms of the content. Like, in terms of what heroes are, are prominently represented and, and who gets mentioned and so on. Yeah. And especially based on the art style. Because the moment it's... Like, the, the, when you open the book from the beginning, the first thing... You, the first character you see is Nightcrawler. There's a picture of Nightcrawler in there, but it's like... It's specifically like early Excalibur Nightcrawler from the 90s when he's got like a shaved head and an awful little goatee and he's wearing like a loose robe thing. Yeah. Not a good thing. It's when they gave Nightcrawler a slanket for some reason. Yeah. He looks like he should be in the Brotherhood. Like that Uh. looks like it should be evil Nightcrawler and he's hanging around with like evil Colossus and everything. But no, it's good guy. He's it's when he was in his deepest in his priest era when he was like, oh, I'm very religious and I'm wearing this cassock kind of thing as a like it's ripped up. But that's what it's supposed to look like. And the whole time they're describing him as that fur, that fuzzy, lovable blue elf we all know and love. And here he is. And he looks like he works on motorcycles for a living. And you're like, no, not that one. Give me back the classic V suit. Ah. You know, the one that's entirely designed Give to indicate the where pointer. his wiener is. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the good Nightcrawler. Dick Pointer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, interestingly, this book opens with a uh, like kind of pedigree of where it's coming from. It mentions that they, the phase rip game had previously existed. And it says that the rule set from this is based on a special rule set that was created for Dragonlance. Which... Because this is a TSR game. I had never heard of, which at this point in the span of doing this show, a... Not just an RPG I haven't heard of, but a D&D based RPG I haven't heard of is like, huh, wild. They made this type of card based adventure game thing mm-hmm. for Dragonlance. And I'm like, I had never heard of that. That's yeah, weird. It's wild. I, I mean, yeah, it's true. It, it, we, we've hit a point where it's increasingly vanishing and unlikely we haven't at least heard of something. Yeah. Especially something big like that. Oh, for sure. The fact that it's a D&D TSR product, I was like, I feel like I should have known of that. And I've heard of this before. I knew yep. all about this going into it. So, so it's just kind of surprising. Uh, it looks like it's not. I mean, it looks like the Dragonlance Saga thing is more of a book series. That, like I can see a bunch of ca- uh, of Saga, lots of cards and books and so on. But it looks like it's mostly choose your own adventure style novels. Well, I was gonna say if you look for Dragonlance Saga, you're probably just going to get the first three novels. Oh well, yeah, it's called the uh, Tales of Autumn Twilight or whatever. But no, a lot of this is other stuff. I don't know. I'm on eBay, kind of poking around to see if I can find a copy of that for later. But uh, but yeah, and most of this is just the novel, so you're right. Um, but okay, let's get into it. Yeah. What do we talk about? We want to talk about the stats, the breakdown. This is card-based. Yep. So the, the game, I will say, right out the gate, reads so fucking corporate. It is amazing to me. Now, oh, yeah. Normally when you read through one of these, 
it's like either someone trying to sound professional or you get that kind of like chummy thing if you're reading through a comedic one sure, like we've had. Yeah. But this one is like, this reads like I'm reading 200 pages of ad copy from a Marvel ad agency. Yeah, they, they are consistently using quotes to indicate that, you know, they're they're uh, referencing a Marvel property or Marvel character. And they always, anytime they do, they're like, the juggernaut, the Ciderac powered man who punches with super strength. It's just, it's a lot of like, yeah, I get it. I know. And because the whole thing is very Marvel corporate, the focus on this is like, we are going to spend a 200 page book and 190 pages of that is going to be talking about you playing as one of the established heroes. Yeah. Character creation in this is a loose afterthought at the end of the book. Yeah, yeah. The whole game's card-based. There are no dice involved at all, and character creation is also based on cards in a mechanic that is so underwritten as to come off as genuinely fairly confusing. Oh, yeah. the. I mean, I'll go ahead and say, we'll get into it at some point, but this is one where if you go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash systemmastery, mm -hmm. join us for the bonus content at $2 a month when we make characters the process that both of us had making a character in this was very much, wait, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> yeah. In, in backtracking, because there's a part towards the end where it's like, oh, you got to spend one card. Now that you've already done all your stats and powers and skills and everything, now use a card for something. You're like, what? Use I already one, used all of them. Use one of the cards you haven't used yet. Why would there be those? Why would I have one of those? Yeah. You didn't tell me that I would need to do this at the start. And now all, you're telling me all the steps before it. There's like three steps before it that do not require cards. So you, you've been conditioned to think you're done. Oh, there's yeah. There's never a point at the beginning where it's like, don't forget to save a card for this one step because you're going to need one card guaranteed for it. Also, you need to be willing to turn it face down as a way of spending it. The whole mechanic of card spending is so weird because it keeps telling you to place them in specific points and so on, but it doesn't appear like that actually does anything. It's like, you're going to have to place this card in the center of the character creation's uh, starburst shape. And you're like, no, I won't. What, what, what does that do? That doesn't do anything. That card goes back into the deck. Why would I need to place well, it somewhere? Well, no, it doesn't. You have the cards you drew and you keep them out of the deck. Oh, I know. You don't put them back. There's, there's no reason to put them in the middle of the character creation starburst. I mean, outside of just going, oh, I'm going to try and remember which cards I spent on what. But even then, it's like, well, the only reason I need to do that is because you have these weird points where you're like, now go back and change what you spent because we forgot to tell you to do a thing. Yeah, but having that one tell you to flip a card face down is wild because that accomplishes nothing. Like, I'm used to, uh, granted, I'm used to playing a lot of Magic, so I'm used to a system that has three billion rules in place to make sure that every single thing that could possibly happen is explained mm. and structured. But when it's like, oh, before you do your calling step, flip one card upside down and set that aside. I'm like, why? Is it hidden information now? Why are we flipping it over? No, no reason. No reason at all. That's just to indicate that you spent it. Yep. Okay. But, all right. Yeah. The game itself being card-based has its own proprietary deck of five suits of like 50 cards total. Yeah. So each suit should have, I think, ten cards. Yeah, it's got one through nine. I don't think there's zeros or tens in here. Uh, Doom has ten. Oh, okay. Because the suits are the uh, stats for the game as well. So the stats are strength, agility, intelligence, willpower. And there are strength, agility, intelligence, willpower suits. Uh, they all have color-coordinated things for that. I just flipped through. There's no 10s in here. Great. 
Um, I'm just, I was just wondering, because I feel like that makes it 45 cards, right? One through nine. You would five think. Times. But it's supposed to be a 50 card deck that maybe we don't have the, the tens in this? No, nah, I mean, it's supposed to, it uh, probably has an extra of something. It says right here, draw 10 cards. If you're making an inexperienced hero, redraw all eights, nines, and tens. Yep. So we can't, because this deck contains no tens. Ah. Um, I mean, I guess maybe there's just a couple of cards missing from our deck, and they just happen to be the tens. Maybe weird. All right, uh, that's gonna really. Uh, that just means our, our characters, our characters are, are slightly underpowered. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, yeah. So the deck is a one to ten in the various suits, and the cards themselves are busy because they yeah. represent a ton of things. So. Yes. All of the suits, you've got the four suits, they represent the uh, the various stats. There is a fifth suit that is Doom, which is the just bad stuff for you suit. Yeah, and each suit is both color-coded and connected to a specific character at the top left. So, for example, Agility is represented by Spider-Man in his red. Uh, intellect is represented by Mr. Fantastic in his blue. Then you also have Green for, str- for uh, Strength, which is Hulk. And purple for willpower, which is uh, Doctor Strange. Yeah. And then Doom is Doom. Yeah, and it's black. Yeah. Uh, the character on there doesn't matter, which is weird, because they're like, eh, note that we put a character on all these. I'm like, yeah, you didn't have to. That affects nothing. The color, at least, is a good shorthand to go, oh, what suit is this? But mm-hmm. the uh, the fact that you have a character in the top left for what's the suit, and then a character, huge picture in the middle for what character is representing this? Yes. And uh, it, it appears to be arranged more or less by a combination of relevance in the Marvel Universe and power level. Yeah. So, for example, I know you currently have, like, the one of strength in hand. And, and it's, it's just Werewolf. Werewolf, who's a character I'm not even familiar with. So, sure, they definitely got that right, with, like, a nine being the Hulk. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's a, it's a little, like, you can tell the whims of the 90s were in play. Like, the two of, of willpower is Moon Knight, where, like... And then the six of of uh, of intellect is Stingray. Which one of those guys got a TV show? <laughs> so uh, uh, so yeah, like you can tell, it's a little whim powered. I don't really know what's going on there. Now, in addition to a picture of a character from the Marvel Universe, it also has on the section that has the one through ten number. It has a little marker that will either be positive, negative, or neutral. Yes which will come up when we get to the rules because that'll be useful for certain things. It's also used in character building. Yeah, that's the aura. So when you have to do a aura reading, which is what the game terms it for when you flip a card to see if it's positive, negative, or neutral, you're taking an aura reading of a situation. Yep. Uh, Then you have at the top right, you have a short, pithy phrase of some sort, usually just things like... It's a narrative thing for the uh, narrator who's running it to be like, oh, if an event is happening, I can like flip this and get an idea. Yeah, so for example, you can get things like refusal of authority or power surge. Yeah, like the one I have is scent of prey. So you'd be like, oh, someone's hunting you or something. Yeah, Uh, those do not have any in-game functionality. They are just used as narrative tools for the narrator who's running the game. Yep. But underneath that is a calling listing. Uh, Some of them are super rare. Some of them are fairly common. They're useful for nothing as far as I can tell. Outside of character creation. Outside of character creation, and yet they are given a prominent space on the cards. Uh, so, for example, I'm looking at Leader right now, the Seven of Doom, and his is World Domination. It's one of the bad guy ones, the Doom Callings. Yeah. But, like, right under him is the Six of, of Agility, Silver Sable, and hers is Soldier, and that one's going to be shared amongst a couple of folks. Yeah. So, 
those are all of those. You've also got some numbers along the sides of a tens and a ones place in Mm -hmm. case you want to use the card to track health on something. I'm just I'm I'm looking at your werewolf card because I'm like, is that Jack Russell? Is that werewolf by night? Or is he just werewolf? Is there just a were I didn't know DC or Marvel had just werewolf. I knew it had werewolf by night. Yep. Well, I mean werewolf by night is a werewolf. And then by night. Yeah. (laughs) Werewolf bisexual night with a K. (laughs) Werewolf bisexual Jordan night. (laughs) So that's the deck that you will be using. Yeah. Uh characters will have generally stats that are the human maximum is 10. Mm-hmm. So usually a lot of stuff will be around like normal human would be like four. Most Marvel characters will be like, oh, normal for a Marvel character will be more like a five or a six. Yes. And then it kind of tapers off pretty rapidly after that, even though it goes up to 20. Like they list as... The- yeah, I mean, it technically goes to 30, but you can't make a character with anything above... 20 and it's wild if you do because they list things like oh that that's so far above human that it's nuts like they list the example of a six intellect as dr doom and mr fantastic no 12 intellect is dr. mr fantastic is it, is it really oh, okay yes. so uh still kind of wild that it goes up as high as 20 and you're like yeah i'm smarter than the smartest guys in the marvel universe it's wild that they would be like mr fantastic's pretty smart he's a 12 and i'm like no he's not if you've got a scale that goes to 30 and 20 is as high as a character can get without being a cosmic being, Mr. Fantastic has a 20. <laughs> yeah, he should be at the top of your list. Well, maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of people contenders for the smartest Marvel guy. Eh, I mean, smart is sort of the detective of Marvel comics where detective is the DC one. Uh-huh. Where it's like, yeah, people are generally smart. But Mr. Fantastic is the smartest person. Like, just flat out. Okay. That's his whole deal. All right. It's like, I know Amadeus Cho is the eighth smartest. Yes. That one's the only one I think is codified. Yeah, and it's because he goes underneath all the ones that you already know that are like, all right, Tony Stark, Bruce Banner, uh, Reed Richards, uh, Doctor Doom. Yeah, Beast maybe somewhere in there. Yeah, but it's, man, it's ridiculous going through to just mention the fact that it has a book of, here's some uh, stats for people. Mm-hmm. And they kind of want you to know that the villains are going to be better than you. Cause like you'll, you'll, you'll see, Oh, what's the high, the, the biggest example of strength you're going to run into. It's oh, it's the Hulk. He's got like a 14 or a 15 or something. And then it goes right up beyond that to, I don't know, a nihilist something like a 16 or 17 deal with it. Yeah. Usually it's like Uatu and Galactus and so on getting a lot of mentions at the top of the scale, which is, you know, fair. It's just sort of funny because those guys stats don't generally matter. No. So you don't really need the scale to go up to them. You just say, these guys aren't on the scale. Don't worry about it. Yeah, but that is, again, another thing. We saw that in the Marvel superheroes thing where you're like, you've got Shift X. And you're like, dude, that doesn't matter. No one gives a shit about this. Yeah, no one gives a shit what the Beyonder strength is. Yeah, there you go. 11 or 12. For for intellect, it gives Mr. Fantastic and Doctor Doom an 11 slash 12. And then if you want to get smarter than them, you're looking at like 13 or 14 for Dormammu, which is... What? What? Weird. No, if you want willpower to be, you know, high for Dormammu, sure, that willpower is your whole magic stat, but... 17 or 18? While you're looking at Korvac, or the Kree Supreme Intelligence, or the High Evolutionary, or Uatu. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I'm like, alright, if you want to do, like, 
sure the Kree Supreme Intelligence is smarter than Mr. Fantastic. I'm like, yeah, sure, great. It's a giant, ridiculous supercomputer with all of the knowledge of all of the smartest Kree people. Yeah. Fine. Sure. But maybe bump Mr. Fantastic up to a 15 or something and put that up a little higher. Yeah. I it's don't know. just when they're like, yeah, Mr. Fantastic is about as smart as like an agile person in Marvel is agile. And you're like, yeah, not really. <laughs> it's kind of his one thing. It's the it's what he's got, man. I mean, I know he has stretchy powers, but that is literally a secondary quality to his ability to be intelligent. 90% of the time, they only use his stretchy powers to show how creepy he is these days anyway. His stretchy power is there to be like, oh, I'm writing on a wall while I'm doing an equation over here and pouring something into a beaker. Yeah. It is there as a time saver for science. Yeah. Uh, so your stats control, they're, they're your base uh, amount of like contribution to a uh, exceeding a difficulty in this game. Yep. Uh, so normally what you'll do is you'll say, oh, I'm going to take my stat, and then I'm going to flip a card off the top of the deck, or you actually have a hand. No. Yeah. So you're going to play a card from your hand and uh, say, okay, these two things together add up to the value I'm doing against your target number. Interestingly, the, the uh, narrator will normally start any given cycle of events, whether it's a scene, by flipping a card off the top of the deck and being like, this random card represents the difficulty of the scene. Yeah. Usually it's uh, if you are doing an encounter, because if you're like, oh, I'm Spider-Man and I'm running through the city and I want to do a weird acrobatic flip through something and he goes, all right, well, that's weird. Normally I would, I don't know, make you just succeed, but you're trying to do something stupid and crazy. Here's, you got to beat a like difficulty 12 and it they all have names Daunting because of course whatever, they yeah. have names yeah but i'm just gonna go ahead and say 12 and not only that but you're not supposed to say either of those things because they do all have names um so you're like oh difficulty 12 is i think medium or something like that but the game makes it clear that it wants all these inf this information to be secret that you're not supposed to let the players know what the difficulty they're angling for is which sucks so much ass i know it's it's old-fashioned design um but that also means that they're taking some of the words out because you can't be like you ha you're gonna have to, you're gonna try and vault over this pit of spikes. That sounds like an especially daunting challenge. Hope you roll well. Can't say that daunting has meaning, and it's hidden meaning. The weird thing is the book goes back and forth on don't ever tell your players what it is. Just go. Well, that seems difficult. You might want to put in some extra effort. And then in other points of the book, it goes anyway. You'll tell them that that'll be an amazing feat if they want to do that. And you're like, fucking. When am I supposed to, according to you, be a fucking hermit that hoards his information or an actual decent person? Yeah, I I don't know. I, I don't know if this game It's funny because it doesn't seem like you'd be able to, to game this system especially well. Like uh, if you're anytime you're like, oh, the difficulty to accomplish this task is a 14. So you're going to take your stat, which is a nine, and then you're going to flip. Or, I'm just using an example. And then you're going to flip a card or play a card from your hand. So you're like, oh, I do have one. Five. I'm going to put the five on there. That gets it to 14. Yeah, it's true that if you're if the DM doesn't tell you that the or DM, the uh, narrator doesn't tell you that the difficulty is 18, then you're throwing cards away for no reason. Yes. And I guess that's supposed to be a lot of fun. It it just makes it seem like every single thing you do, the narrator is supposed to at least tell you like, oh, that seems like it shouldn't be that difficult for you or oh, that's going to be hard for whatever. And then give you a sort of general idea of how much you should be putting in. Yeah. But it just feels like, I don't know, man, I'm going to redraw unless I get hurt. So I may as well just make all of the actions I do fucking count. Yeah, just do the good ones. Now, the, the there, uh, go ahead. 
the way in which you do it outside of just playing a card. So, if, you know, normally it would be stat plus card played. Mm-hmm. There are some extra rules. So you can play a card that goes with whatever the stat you are doing is. So yeah. if I have a, I'm doing a strength action, I want to, you know, pick up a car. Yeah. Uh, if it's like, oh, that's going to be a, you know, superhuman task. You're trying to pick up a big old truck. That's going to be difficulty 20 or something. Sure. Then if I have a strength of, say, 12, I could look at my cards and go, well, I don't have anything that's eight or above, but if I have a strength card, that is a trump for it. Yeah. So if I play a strength of, say, four or five, because I played a trump, I will then also flip the top card of the deck and add that to whatever my total is. Uh-huh. So you can try and fish for extra by doing that. Yes. Now, if you if you uh, pull another strength card, then you add that total and, and play again. Yeah, uh, you keep going until you... Didn't get a trump. Yeah. Now, the only rule, there is a ruling for that, which is that doom cards can never trump. Yes. So if you pull a doom card, it will, you still add its total to your card. If you're pulling it off the top of the deck uh, as a result of playing another trump card, you will still get to add the doom, but you're done. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, if you play, you, you can never play a card out of your hand that's a, tr- a doom card and get a trump out of that. Yes. The uh, other way that you can add extra, well, actually, there's three, but. One of the other ways, Mm -hmm. every character has an edge score, which is supposed to be how experienced you are. Like, you know, are you a novice hero? Are you Captain America? And it goes up to a maximum of four, but the edge score is you can play a card that is that number or less and then keep playing. So if I have an edge of three, I could play like the two of willpower and then also play another card. This will also work with Trump, but it's whatever the last card you play is. Yes, and uh, I, I didn't think it was specifically... I thought you could play any number of cards up to your stat, or no. that were under your stat. Is it under your stat and up to your willpower, up to your willpower and number? Or No, it's your edge. Okay, up to your edge. Sorry, edge. Yeah, you can play a card that has a number up to your edge. Okay, so, for, so a two or a three, effectively, for most starting characters. Yeah. Or even a one, because, you know, that's what you actually start at when you're building a starting character is an edge of one. Yeah, you really want to put at least one of your high cards into that to bump it up, but... Because it's not just that that it controls. It also controls your starting hand size. Yeah, and hand size is going to be both your options for doing all of this, because more cards is going to be more options for playing stuff, and also the ability to, say, you know, put more cards down for edge, Mm -hmm. stuff like that, but it is also your health. Whenever you have to take damage, uh, you have a defense based on your strength and any defensive powers. Yeah. Whatever damage gets dealt to you, the defense takes off the top whatever it is from Mm -hmm. the damage incoming. Whatever is left, you have to discard cards from your hand that are equal to or higher than that amount of damage. Yes. So if... You know, I get clocked real good and I take past defense like 10 damage. I have to get rid of a number of cards that are at least 10 or more. Yeah. And whatever I pitch, I don't redraw. Yeah. So if my max hand size is four and I have to pitch three cards to that damage, I have one card now. Yeah. And that's how many you have until the fight's over and you get a chance to recuperate. So even when you play Well, every round you will see if you can. Yeah. Because the aura card, if it is positive, will let you regen one card. Yes. 
Now, the auras are not equally distributed throughout the court, the, the deck. There's, no. there's, there's less positive auras than there are negative, and there are less of either of those than there are neutral. Uh, the amount of things in this game that require you to pull a positive aura card in the correct suit is wild, given how shockingly... It's like a 1 in 40 chance. Yeah, there's... And they a, ask for it all the time. There's a lot of stuff in this. It was like, well, flip a card on the top, and then maybe if you've gotten this in this and that, you'll have the, like, whatever bonus. I'm like, no, you're you're never going to have that. That's not going to happen. Especially bad if you're like, oh, I have that card in hand. I know I can't get that shit. Yeah, especially once you've played the game long enough to know all the cards. Yeah. And you're like, oh, great, well... I need a uh, I, I need a positive in strength, and I am currently holding Scarlet Witch, which means there isn't one. <laughs> Hooray! Good, great, good and great. Ugh. So, so yeah, that's that's weird. Um, the example of how Edge works is fun because it's like a it's describing a battle between Captain America and Venom, where it's like you know on paper it looks like Venom should win this fight because he's stronger and faster and tougher and he has all kinds of cool grapply powers. But he'll never win that fight. He's fighting the true blue Captain America, the famous flag waver. He'll always just be right out of the way of those teeth and claws. And I'm like, why are you describing it as an inevitability? That makes it boring. <laughs> it's it's definitely interesting to be like, all right, that does mean for certain heroes, that's kind of the like Daredevil, Captain America, the ones who are like, oh, you have, you know, one stat that's maybe above a 10 you're not really superhuman in a lot of stuff, but you've got, you know, the max edge, so you can definitely play more cards. You're going to be able to, like, push your limits, which is the last one. You can also push yourself. Yes. Which is, I can play an additional card from my hand past the whole edge thing. I just also don't redraw that. I just sort of cut for extra in a yeah. single situation. Hey, it's great if you know you're about to be done. If you're like, that's the last guy left in this fight. Oh, yeah, I'm going to punch that guy real fucking hard. Mm -hmm. Fuck this dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm edging out real good right now, guys. <laughs> guys, I'm edging so hard. <laughs> so I'm going to edge this goon out. Oh, oh don't. Uh, I'm going to edge out my Trump, you guys. This is gross. Ew. No. Nasty. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that description of Captain America fighting Venom was funny because it was just like, he'll always be just out of the way. And I'm like, I don't think that's, I mean, it, it's got some functionality to it, but that's not really what it describes. And I feel like that'd be a fun fight to read about, generally. Captain Captain America versus Venom. I'd read that. Yeah, I have read that. Yeah, doesn't he get Venomed at some point? Everyone does. Everyone, Everybody gets a little Venom. Everyone always gets a little symbioted by the end. <laughs> uh. Uh, skills in this game, they're confusing if you read the roster book first. If you're like, I want to see some of these heroes. Uh, because skills in this game are, are a... They're measured by a writer that's attached to your statistics. So if you have like a... a like, I'm, let's do Cyclops as an example. He has, like, a uh, an intellect, I think, of, of six-something or other. I'll just look him up real quick. He's the first page of the roster book. Here we go. Cyclops has an intellect of 6X. Which is so dumb to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but given the things that are in there. Yeah. Um, but he has 6D strength. He has, yeah, 6D strength, 6B agility, 8D willpower, and 6X intellect. So the way those work is D, A, B, C, and D can give you a number of skills, and X gives you none. Yes. So so if you have an intellect of 6X, it means you have leadership of 6 for the purposes of raw leadership challenges. Well, you have an intellect of 6. Sorry, sorry intellect uh, of 6. I said leadership, didn't I? I mean yeah. to. Uh, but you have no relevant skills. Yes, which that. means in intellect skills, leadership is one of them. So Cyclops, leader of the X-Men, does not have the leadership skill. 
Yeah, I mean, granted, I'm fairly certain that it's a, it's a willpower skill, actually, but there are things in intellect that are useful for that, that he would have probably needed to have. Yeah, no, the willpower one has teamwork, but I don't know that it has leadership. It does. Oh, it, does it? Yeah, yeah, because it's purple, and it's right here in his skills. Oh, good. It's his only willpower skill, because he has an 8D in willpower, so he only gets one skill. <laughs> um, but yeah, a, a, so basically, if you have A, you get four skills, B, you get three, C, you get two, D, you get one, X, you get none. Yes. Uh, when you're creating a character, this is based on a complex system of, of what cards you put into those those uh, stats. Yeah. But if you're just using any, if you're using these roster characters, it's clearly based on what they needed. Yeah. The skills themselves do a couple things. So if you have a skill in something and you are attempting to do that, it shifts the difficulty down one step, which usually means it just gives you a plus two to a plus four to whatever you're doing. Uh-huh. So if you were like, oh, I'm going from what should be a difficulty 12, now it's a difficulty 10. Yes. Because I have a skill in it. Uh, other than that, there are skills that are world class, and those will give you two shifts. So, like, Hawkeye has the archery skill, but it is a world class archery skill. Yes. So if he is trying to shoot something, Hawkeye is very good at it. Yes. And you, I think you can acquire those in character creation. It, yeah, it requires you to get rid of like an 8, 9, or 10 card in addition that has to be of the suit that the skill is in. And it does nothing but make the skill world class. Yes. And you can only have one world class skill if you do have one. Yeah, and that's a character creation. I think you probably can earn additional world class skills later on. Or they're just cheating and letting certain characters in the NPC roster have them because they're you know, important characters. Because, like, Captain America has world-class in shields and leadership. Yes. Uh, but, you know, he's Captain America. I guess I guess he gets to cheat. He gets to do whatever the fuck he wants. He's Captain America. He represents America. L- land of the cheaters. Exactly. Why would he not? <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Uh, this is really important, though, the, to get those skill values down based on the examples of play. Because they, they have this list of, you know, the difficulties of skill and what you need. Like, oh, a four is an easy challenge. Most people will be able to accomplish this most of the time. A ten is a relatively simple challenge. You should reasonably be able to expect this to accomplish this if you're a hero and so on. But then when you get to the example of play, everything has so many layered effects happening on it all the time that you never see anyone have to do anything with a difficulty less than 18 in their starting example. Yeah, it's so weird because when they start, they're like, the narrator should set the difficulty based on a regular person doing this. Yes. So like, the average difficulty is supposed to be an eight. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, that's nothing. You're like, yeah, but that's what it's supposed to be for a regular person to do something, which means, you know, that's why lifting a truck is superhuman and is up to like 20 because a regular person shouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. But in the examples of play, it's always like, all right, you're trying to do a thing and that's a difficulty 12 because that's pretty hard. Anyway, here's a layered thing, and then they flip a card for the round, and that adds four, and then they use one of their Doom cards, and that adds another six, and they don't like you very much, so they just add two. Yeah, like the example that that got me the most worked up was, there's this whole example fight that happens, it's between Spider-Man, Rhino, and Electro, right? Yeah. And it's got a couple of things that drove me nuts about it. First of all, Spider-Man has the unlucky hindrance, which we'll get into hindrances in just a second here. But the way it works is whenever the narrator plays one card for the, the round difficulty, they can then pull another card and they'll, they use whichever one is higher, whichever one they prefer. And then the example of play, they pull a two and a three, and then they decide to keep the two because it says power surge on it as opposed to some other thing. And he's like, well, he's fighting Electro. Power surges, right? And then it doesn't actually do anything. Oh, it does. Uh, technically, 
yes, in that power Electro throws electricity at the ground, but he's fucking Electro. What was he going to do otherwise? Punch him? No, he was going to shoot electricity. He's Electro. You don't need permission for him to do a power surge. That's what he does every fucking turn. Yes, but he made it more difficult. He was like, oh, it's power surge, so I upped the power. Yeah, Normally, Electro's fair. damage is, you know... This, I made it plus five. I know, but that's still just entirely permissive. He could have been like, I don't, the, the one he drew instead could have said like, I don't know, I'm going to pull one at random, Pyrrhic victory. And he'd be like, uh, Pyrrhic victory. He does a really big power surge. It's going to damage him too, I guess. <laughs> plus six difficulty. Um, so it just felt stupid. But the, the part that really drove me nuts was the example of difficulty was Spider-Man is trying to get away from these two because he's hauling Jameson around by yeah, the car. Jameson is there yelling at him and he's like, I'm trying to get Jameson out of danger from both Rhino and Electro. Yeah. So he's picked him up and is dragging him away. And in an attempt to to uh, in, inject some drama to the scene, he's like, well, Jameson doesn't want Spider-Man to carry him around. So he pulls out a pen and stabs at Spider-Man with it. I'm like, all right, well, that's Spider-Man. You know, he's <laughs> that's that is an old journalist trying to stab Spider-Man with a pen. Yeah. Spider-Man has routinely clowned on all of the X-Men at once. <laughs> uh, so. He should be like, please don't poke me with a pen. At most. And instead, <laughs> just, just grab it out of his hand mid-swing and be like, please, sir, but, please. But instead he's like, okay, well that should be a difficulty 10. No, it shouldn't. And I'm going to add this 7 to it, and this 3 to it, and, and this 2 to it. And he is distracted because Electro's there, so I'm going to add an extra 2 onto the top. And I was like, you're just adding extra because you don't like him, and it ends up being... It's a difficulty 22 at the Yeah, end. Jameson tries to stab him, and the difficulty to not get stabbed is 22. What? Yeah. And then when the guy succeeds anyway, he's like, great, and I'll play this Doom card and you fail. Yeah. You can't hold Jameson. <laughs> the Doom track, to go ahead and explain that, because we've mentioned it a couple times. Whenever you, as a character, uh, play a card from your hand that is in the Doom suit, uh, it can't be used as a trump for anything, but you can use it normally. So if you've got, you know, the eight of Doom, you can be like, great, I'll get a plus eight to this. Fabulous. That's awesome. But anytime you play a Doom card, it will immediately, after it is resolved, go to the narrator's pile of doom. Yes. And the narrator can, at any point, add one of those cards to a check that he has done to be like, either beforehand to go, oh, this is, you know, I want to let you know, things are real difficult right now and we're amping it up. I'm going to make the check more you know, difficult by putting in a four of doom. Now that's the friendly way he can play it. Yeah. That is the way you should play. Uh-huh. But the one where that we just mentioned with Jameson, it's like Spider-Man's got to hit a 22, which is silly that he's got to hit a 22 for Jameson, not to hit him with a pen. So he and cuts he and burns himself and cheats. It does everything he can spends like, a bunch of cards to get this accomplished. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to use my edge. I'm going to use this card. And then this card, and that card's Trump. So I get another card and I barely hit a 22. But fucking, I'm Spider-Man. Jesus, fine. And he just goes, no, then I take a two from my Doom pile and say you don't. Yeah, because the other way you can play Doom cards is after the result has been succeeded. Yeah, and at that point, because the result has been succeeded, the player can't respond to it. No, so you just get to say you fail. Yeah, you could just, the, the DM at any time, if he has any Doom at all, can just turn any success into a failure. Yep. Um, Which is another reason why, as a player, you keep going, man, even if this seems like, oh, I should have this. I want to throw as many cards as I can at it just to go, yeah, but it's so high above what the thing I needed was that you don't have enough Doom cards to actually beat me at it. Yeah. Because the game, the way it is set up, where you're like, oh, I can't tell you what the difficulty is, and I might just make you fail after you succeed, is 
it just makes the players go, all right, well, every single thing I do is maximum effort. I can't ever just go, yeah, you know, I'm fucking Spider-Man and that's a burglar. I just throw some web on him and I, I better take get him in. fucking 30 just in case I'm distracted or it's windy or something. Yeah. And not only that, but there's no reason it's not like the game has a prestige or a reveal moment where the where the uh narrator has to be like and the difficulty i had set was 16 so instead they can at any time just go hey you fail and you're like well did i beat the difficulty you don't need to know that maybe i played some from I, you know i played some from the doom pile you have no idea what the starting difficulty was or what layer difficult uh, defenses i put onto it i don't have to tell you shitty absolutely shitty every time in the game where they don't do that and they're like yeah, and then the narrator tells them, like, oh, this is going to be, you know, an incredible task, and you're going to need a 16, and I'm going to beforehand play this, you know, three of doom. It's at a 19 now. And then the player has to decide, ooh, how am I going to do that? I'm like, good. That's how that should play. Yeah. And every time it gives an example of play where they're like, and then the narrator coyly says, this might be a little hard for you. You better try. I'm like, Fuck you, asshole. Don't do that. What the fuck does try mean? The game is mostly random chance. You're just asking me to try to my luck for the most part. Anyway, um, we, we, we should get into character creation. Sure. Um, there are about 100 powers in the book, uh, and there's a list of skills as well. The powers are actually fairly comprehensive, and they do have a lot of functionality to them. I do love some of the things in there where, like, they have additional limb as one of them, so in case you want to have Either like Nightcrawler's tail or Doc Ock's extra arms or whatever you're doing, you can do that. But then they also just put prehensile hair as its own separate power. And I was like, why? Just because Medusa exists. Yeah, like Medusa just has additional limb hair. Just the same way Nightcrawler has additional limb tail. That's a fucking Marvel RPG tradition. Remember as well that they put hex bolts into the same, uh, right next to energy bolts in, in one of these that we read, where it was like, what are those for other than playing a Scarlet Witch? What is the possible point of those where you couldn't just make it one of the tacked on riders to energy bolts? Yeah. And they put a few things in here that they were like, maybe don't let your players have this because it has time travel, reality warping, mm-hmm. things that they say in the power selection where they're like, hey, so if you've got this at a level that's like higher than, say, 15, you're probably going to fuck with things but the time travel one they're like oh if one of your players has time travel this is a great chance for you to fuck with them there's multiple powers that work that way a lot of the higher end powers are just straight up don't take this like magic is another great example of you should not take this power because the way magic works is it says right at the beginning you're automatically assumed to be a novice of magic and what that means is anytime you play a card for magic the narrator should secretly draw a card and if their card exceeds your card then the spell automatically fails and if its aura is negative then a disaster occurs no no if i've got magic if it's at like i have magic intensity four sure i'm not very good at magic but if i go hey man i'm i'm a wizard i put an intensity my power level is like 14 or something i'm real fucking good at magic I shouldn't be like, yeah, you're a novice, fuck you. Half the time you fail. Yeah, I think it actually does work that way above intensity 10 or something like that. Good. So I guess you have a wild you have a chance for failure at 1 through 9. But even then, I'm not a huge fan of it because it's just another failure point in a game that already had enough, I feel. Yeah. it Because mostly that just puts a hard limit on when you should be voluntarily playing magic. Can you get your intensity above 10? Go ahead and be a wizard. If you can't, do not take that power. Yeah. 
Because when you are making a character, you will draw a hand of 10 cards from the deck. Yeah. Uh, you are, you have three different types of hero you can be. You can be a novice hero, a regular one, or an experienced one. If you're mm-hmm. novice, you redraw any 8, 9, or 10. Yeah. If you are experienced, you'd redraw any 1, 2, or 3. Mm-hmm. You will use those cards to get your stats, your powers, and you discard anything with a 7 or above to increase your edge and hand size. Mm-hmm. You then also have to have a card left over at the end to do your calling, but you will generally go, okay, uh, if I play a card into a stat, like if I'm getting you know strength, mm-hmm. then I can play up to three cards in any given thing. Uh, if I use any Doom cards for this at all, then I immediately get an X in the stat, so I just don't have skills for it. So yeah. even if I'm like, oh, well, I use the 9 and the 8 of Doom, I've got a 17 strength. I, however, do not have any skills in it. Yeah. Uh, if you don't use any Doom, and you don't use any cards that match the suit for it, so if I'm like, all right, I'm doing strength, but I put like the eight of agility in it. Yeah. Then I'll have a D in it. I'll just have one skill and then that stat. Yeah. Uh, Otherwise, you will add plus one to your rank of skill for how many cards of that suit you put in there. Mm -hmm. So if you play three cards, all of them of the matching suit into a thing, then you can get to an A rank for skills. And get four skills in that rank. Yeah. Or that that's uh, attribute. Yeah. So you're, you're reserving a lot of cards here because for each power you take, you need to assign at least one card to it. Yep. Um, and then for each stat, you can put up to three in it. And you only have 10 cards and you still have to reserve one for calling. You don't need any for skills because that's just the number you get. Um, but you can put more than one into each one of the powers. Now, when you there are ways to acquire additional cards during gameplay, but the caveats on it are intense. Um, so, for example, each time you take a power, there is a suggested limit to the power. So if you have animal control, for example, and the suggested limit is one kind of animal or yeah. one animal at a time. Very simple things like that. So, for example, you could say, like, I can only control one animal because I'm 90s Falcon, so I can control Red Wing, the hawk, and who is not yet a drone or whatever. And so that's my only animal. So that's my limit to it. When you choose a limit. The limit automatically is applied to your character. You cannot get rid of the limit anymore. It's stuck on your character now. But you get to draw a single card. Yeah, you flip the top card of the deck. Flip the top card of the deck. If that card is of the same suit as the trump of that power. No, if it's positive. I thought it was both. No, if if it's positive, then you get it. Oh, okay. Uh, I I honestly thought it was both. Like you had to get a you had to get both positive and the, in in your suit in, in your trump. Nope. But that's good to know. If it's positive, then you get to add that card to that power. Yep. And I think it also grants if it no you know what you're right if it's in trump it also grants you a power stunt. Yes. Now um, you get a stunt in a power for free automatically unless unless you, you played a doom for that power's intensity. Yes. Uh. So the other way to get cards is called uh, hindrances. You can take up to two of them, and they are just character weaknesses. So they're all the, the standard stuff. You have a crippling addiction, or a, or a massive phobia, or you have go into berserker rages, or or uh, you know all these various things. A lot of them are designed so that you can't take them unless you have a strength that this hindrance would be a problem for. Yeah, I mean, some of them are just straight up like, you know, the thing has monstrous. 
So it's, he has a stat of zero when it comes to trying to get people to not run away from him because they are afraid. Yeah. Like, he can't stop people from being afraid of him, no matter how charming he is. So he has that as a thing. Now, when you get a hindrance, you just have that. And again, you can try and pull a positive card off the top of the deck when you do that. And if you get a positive aura card, then for the hindrance one, it just lets you then place that card into anything you've already done. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and again, it works the same way where unless you get a positive, yeah, like you just said, you can't, you can't use it. So it's a real big risk. There's not that many positive cards on the deck. No. And the hindrances are almost it, across the board situations where you stat out to zero. Yes, you're, you're, one of your stats changes to zero for a while. So, like, addiction is just, oh, if you are faced with the thing of your addiction, your willpower is zero when it comes to dealing with it. And also, if you haven't had the object of your addiction for, like, an X amount, I think it's one day, then your uh, your stats, are, one of your other stats is set to zero yeah, until it, such time as you manage to get your hands on it. All of the hindrances really fuck you. Yeah. Some of them fuck you in dramatic ways. Like, overconfident is any card you play with a value of seven or higher is treated as if you played a zero. Uh, unless you have either two cards left in hand or your health is at t- or uh, reduced to the point where you would have had two cards in hand. So at that point, you can play your sevens and so on as sevens again. Yeah. Uh, lightweight is another funny one for me because it's one of the examples I was talking about where you can't even take it unless you have a super high stat. And then it is a hindrance to that stat. Lightweight is as long as you have a strength of 11 or higher, you can take lightweight. If you do, it's that you're super strong, yes, but you don't hit very hard in combat. So... Your combat damage is zero. <laughs> your combat accuracy, because this game uses strength for accuracy in melee combat and agility for for like energy blasts and stuff, uh, is normal. So you have like a, a strength of eleven. Great, you hit with an eleven eleven accuracy, but your damage gets reduced by eleven back as if you had a strength of zero. Their example for people who are like this is, I think, Valkyrie, which is weird. Yeah, strange choice, but. The but there's a lot of the girls are weaker in this book pretty routinely. I, I, spe- specifically, a lot of She-Hulk stuff where they're like, oh, She-Hulk stats are always like two lower than the Hulks. Well, yeah, because the Hulk is strongest there is. Yeah, except for She-Hulk, who is also strongest there is. <laughs> uh, I know that's not actually true. It's true in the, in the MCU, but I don't think it's true elsewhere. The uh, <clears throat> The stats for things as well, they also have like, if you have the bruiser hindrance... It's like, oh, you can only take this if you have above 10 strength and below 5 agility because they're like, all right, you're a ridiculous bruiser, but you are not accurate. It's the opposite of the whole lightweight thing where they're like, oh, if you manage to connect, you'll knock a dude into next week, but you're basically the rhino. You're just telegraphing your charge at a guy and it's real easy to get out of the way. Yeah. So... They're like, oh, you use your agility to attack instead of your strength, and you can't have more than a four strength, so you suck more than a four at yeah. four agility. So you suck at trying to hit, but you can have a high strength and then hit a guy real hard if you do manage to connect. Yeah, so these are very serious. All of them are, they'll really mess up your character build uh, in exchange for a huge gamble, like maybe a one in five chance that you get to have one extra card to put out where you want to. Yep. It's, uh, the thing is when you're making a character, you also are like, I don't have enough cards. I mean, especially if you didn't draw well, if you drew a few, like 
you know, twos, threes, fours in there. You're like, I'm not making a guy that's very good. Yeah. I've, cause I'm going to have to dump like several cards into any given thing just to make it not suck. Yeah. Although God, the, the example the, character, the, the example, hedgehog. Well, no, I was going to say the start of the book when they're like, Oh, here's Nightcrawler. Okay. We're going to use Nightcrawler as the example for this is what a sheet looks like. These are all the powers. This is what you have. So we can explain all of the different things. And they're like, oh, Nightcrawler has teleportation at an intensity of four. And I'm like, I'm sorry. It's because he has a low range. That That's right. They call it out specifically. They say he has an intensity four because his range is like line of sight or something. And I'm like, dude, his intensity should be pretty fucking high. He's an amazing teleporter. He's great feature. at doing it yeah. because your intensity is essentially the number you use that you add cards to when you're trying to use that power. Yeah. He should be great at it. With and a then limit. a limit that yeah. says line of sight. Yeah, it's a weird choice. The example character during character creation is they don't use the your character is a starting hero or an experienced hero. They just make a straight character. Uh, they draw average cards pretty much across the board, and then they build a character called the Hedgehog. And there's a bunch of weird stuff in building the hedgehog where they consistently are more or less belittling the character for sucking. Yeah. Um, well, because this game is so hard on the, well, the Marvel universe is amazing and all the characters there are great and you couldn't possibly make one as good as them. Why, look at this chodlinger trying to make a character. He makes the hedgehog. What a dumb bitch. I hope he can find a team that'll let him join because he's certainly going to fail as a solo hero. And I'm like, dude, it's your system. You just defined it for us. You wrote it out. Then you made a character using it. We're like, this character is stupid and sucks. You're like, I would not want to use that then. Don't. Don't do that, my man. Yeah, I, I get, again, like we were talking earlier, This got, it's got that corporate sheen where it's like, why would you even make a character when you could play as one of the mighty Marvel champions? Ugh. Although they're not that amazing either. Like, the uh, the best stats that the Hedgehog has are all in the 6 to 7 range. Cyclops' best stat is an 8. Yep. I mean, it's just, oh, he doesn't have great stats, but he has eye beams. Yeah. And they're like, the, I think the funniest thing with the Hedgehog was they're like, they gave him the Quill's power. Yeah. And then they're like, well... He wanted to be able to fire his quills, but as the narrator helpfully pointed out, hedgehogs can't do that. So instead, he took a venom that's attached to the quills that causes irritation. I guess that'll be useful if anyone tries to touch him, I guess. You're like, what do you give a shit whether or not hedge real hedgehogs... Are you playing as a real fucking hedgehog? <laughs> yeah. There's, hey, guess what Wolverines don't have? <laughs> <laughs> Is it or the metal skeletons of, and regeneration? Or even the myth of the Cyclops. <laughs> Do they have eye beams? No, they just had one big dumb eye. Ugh. Yeah, I'm just like, dude, why are you being such a big piece of shit about this? Where's this smugness coming from? Ugh. It does not endear me to the system. But yeah, you make your character, you spend your cards to try and get your stuff up. Hopefully, one of the limits you put on there or a hindrance if you took one will get you some extra because otherwise you're going to be most likely pretty mediocre pretty much like most of your things will be like oh i'm probably better than a standard human at you know several things because i probably pulled at least you know a couple high cards yeah but even then you may have put both of them into your edge and hand size just to go yeah i'm not going to be very good but at least i can play a lot of cards about it yeah so, in terms of the game's combat flow, for the most part, it's player-driven. Like, yeah, the the 
narrator never takes actions. Yes, they are all responses. So yeah. when you make an action, the uh, if you're t- I'm punching Electro, it'll be like, oh well. In response, he will blast you, and it, it, it's part of the, the the difficulty that's set for the round. Effectively, yeah, you'll. I mean, you'll have a thing where it's like Electro is going to do this. Yes, he'll just declare what his action is. Uh huh. And I don't you know, play cards because obviously the narrator doesn't have a hand. They yeah, just so flip the card, card at the start. Yeah. So you're like, all right, this is what he's doing. You know what he's got a bonus to. Like, there you go. Have that. So it's a player-driven combat system, which I appreciate. And also you flip a card for, I think, initiative order is handled that way. For who gets to go win is just take a card and uh, you drop down from highest. So there you go. You have anything else you want to talk about before we get into favorites and least? There's plenty more, I'm sure. We haven't oh, really yeah. described any of the powers or anything. No, I mean, it's fine whatever okay then we'll we'll get further into it into in the uh, patreon when we actually go over the characters that we created because that's kind of how this game goes yeah you don't really fully understand how how kind of brutal of a design it is until you're actually staring down your 10 cards you drew and realizing that four or five of these cards are doom which means they're all dead ends oh yeah the fact that playing a doom on basically anything goes and now you can't have cool stuff for it is like well, shit, I feel like I should probably throw all of my doom at one thing and go, all right, I'll have one thing where I don't get stuff, but then it's just amazing baseline. Yeah. But, eh. There you go. All right, so uh, what was your favorite thing about Marvel Superheroes Adventure Game Game Book? <laughs> Jeff Grubb. Grubb. I think. I, I actually don't have the, the author in front of me, but I'm pretty sure it was Jeff Grubb and someone else. Uh, I think my favorite nope. thing Sorry. in this is... I do like the dynamic card play system with the way Trump and Edge work. Uh-huh. The ability to sort of cut for extra power. Like, the core gameplay mechanic for a player is good. Like, you get a handful of cards. You always get to know, like, all right, when I draw my hand, if I see look, I've got no, like, agility in here, then you're like, at that point, you start looking at problems going, all right, I've got four cards that are fucking intellect. How do I think my way out of this? Yes. And so it lets you prepare ahead of time for things like that, but it also lets you go, all right, but do I have a couple, like, twos or threes? Can I try and skate my way into playing, like, three cards right now so I can redraw and try and get into some stuff that's better for me? Yeah. It... It is a decent system baseline. I do think it's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. I think the only thing, the only place where it really tends to falter is all of the points where it's just it says like, anyway, narrator. Uh, here's well, how I mean we, that'll be in the worst thing. I was gonna say yeah. So so yeah, I like that. Uh, and Mike Selinger, by the way, it was not Jeff Grubb. I had that I'm wrong. Um, what I'm, is your favorite thing? My favorite thing about it. Uh, think about this for a second. I had it in my, and, and then I started thinking about who wrote the book. Oh. Um, Oh no, you got you got that baby iPad brain. Uh, my brain. No. <laughs> my favorite thing is nothing. My favorite thing is remembering things. No, I it's fine. I'll just say I like that the cards have the little top level thing for pulling a role playing challenge built into them where I just pull Professor X and I get Crisis of Faith. I like that idea conceptually that you can use that to add a kind of narrative spice to a session. Yeah, quickly. when the when the narrator's like, I don't really know what to do with this scene. And being able to just be like, I'll just flip a card off the top and see if I get that, where you kind of like have a pseudo tarot deck kind of mm-hmm. at your disposal with the deck. 
Uh, we didn't even get into finishing describing how busy these cards are. For some reason, they have a health track printed yeah, on I them as well. Yeah, I said that. Oh, you did? Okay, good. Because I'm like, why? What does that do? Weird. I guess if you need to take a card out of the circulation entirely and have it serve as a health track, then that's there. Yeah, instead you know, of I using paper. I what I was originally going to say. I like that it's player, uh, player's the only person who has a hand of cards. Yes. I, li- I prefer that because it should improve the speed of gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it necessarily does, because as you can see from from the examples in the book, there's so much layering difficulty on. Well, they, I mean, especially the examples where they're like, and then I'm just going to add two because I don't like you. I'm like, dude, stop it. Yeah, but functionally, I do appreciate the idea of uh, anytime you're like, I'm removing the DM from being an equi- like parody, and they have their own mechanics that they're using and so on that highlight the player mechanics more, then I'm a fan of that. Yeah. So there you go. What's your least favorite thing? Uh, I mean, it's almost certainly got to be the, like, hidden information narrator shit, because that sucks so bad. The system itself works so well and is so player-facing that you're like, hey, you should know going in what this is, because you should know, like, oh, this is going to be, like, you know, I flip a card for the round and it's a fucking nine, and you go, oh, Oh, shit sucks right now for me. Yeah. Okay, I know going in. Maybe I should turtle up and defend because this is bad. Yeah. And if the, you know, GM or narrator then goes, all right, well, if you want to do this, it's going to be, you know, a daunting challenge plus the nine that I've already got. You might go, you know what? I should probably rethink what I'm doing. Yeah. And do something else. You have that kind of like ebb and flow of the card that comes up. Mm-hmm. And as soon as. You go like, all right, a four came up, and then the narrator's kind of goes, maybe it's easy, maybe not. I'm like, dude, don't do that. It's a game about superheroes. Let your player feel like a superhero. Yeah, especially because, you know, all that really means is, I mean, this may not be true. I'm willing to believe that you, dear listener, are a wonderful narrator who would never arbitrarily decide the difficulty after they see what cards the player played. No. Obviously not. But I assume any one of my, because I'm an anxious, anxious weirdo, any one of my narrators is automatically doing that every single time they go, I don't I don't feel like I need to tell you the difficulty because I'm going to wait and see and I'm going to give you roughly a 50-50 chance. <laughs> I don't, it's going to be entirely up to whims and if you happen to beat 17, what do you know, 17 was the difficulty. Hmm. So I don't, I don't like that. I don't like hidden information. No. Especially I... not one with a moving target built into it like this. Well, yeah, when it's a like hidden information in a game where you're like oh this character has you know an ac of 16 it's written down that they have an ac of 16 and it's static and will always be that then when it's hidden and you sort of go all right through trial and error we have figured out the number you're like all right that i still prefer open information but at least it is a static thing with the oh i'll just wing it and decide whatever the fuck i want every round there's no point where your players can really figure out what things are because even if you go all right you do this action it's this difficulty all right i would like to do that exact same action yes but circumstances have changed Mm. like no dude something something my pizza something something yeah no it sucks ass yeah not great so there you go Hmm? it's bad it's bad i'm waiting for you to ask me my least favorite what's your least favorite thank you uh my least favorite thing is the uh second aspect of the doom track uh-huh. The one where it's it, you can arbitrarily bump the difficulty after everything else is accomplished. Yeah. That has no function beyond forcing fails out of people who just succeeded at something. Yeah. 
And to do it after they've gone through all the work it takes to finally eke out a success after spending a bunch and cutting and so on, just to get to that point, you're like, I threw every bit of effort I could possibly do with this because I'm a big damn hero. And they go, yeah, well, you played at Doom last turn, so here's three more difficulty, and there's nothing you can do. Yeah, it it's bad. It is, it's just bad. Your players should be big heroes. If they pull out the stops and do it, that's what fucking superhero comics are about. Spider-Man overcomes his own weaknesses to things, his unluckiness, the problems in his life, and he does it through sheer bullheadedness. Yeah. And you're like, oh, and then uh, that thing you were trying to lift, uh, it falls. Fuck you. Oh, yeah. You're you're trapped under that rubble. You're doing that big famous Spider-Man moment where he lifts up the rubble, even though he shouldn't be able to. Uh, but it's too heavy. Yeah, anyway, I play a two of Doom and you you fucking drown. Eat a, <laughs> eat a dick, Spider-Man. Like, I understand that sometimes heroes just don't succeed. You can't save Gwen Stacy, you know, so that kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, and in that case, sure. If you need to, if, if you want to have an arbitrary dis- uh, thing where you're like, this, this cannot succeed, how do you want to play it out? Then that's fine, because that's part of the narrative and you can make it happen. But to do it where you're like, there is a chance you absolutely can succeed at this. Build your, your card army up and let me see what it looks like. Great, you did it. Oh, just kidding. No, you don't. Is it runs antithetical to the to the uh, the vibe of what you were trying to accomplish up until that moment, and I don't care for it. And if you are going to force a failure like that, it needs to come with some sort of narrative giveaway. Yeah. If you're like, yeah, I no matter what you do this turn, and I'm going to let you do whatever because I'm going to let you think you succeed, Gwen Stacy's going to die. Yeah. But in exchange, you get a big buff next turn to beat up the goblin or whoever it is who did that to her because you're extra charged up by that now. There needs to be some narrative give and flow. You can't just be like, no matter what you do, sometimes you just fucking die. It's it's especially bad because it is like, oh, I've got these Doom cards I could play. And they just sit there and the post-facto Doom card playing is like, all right, uh, I do all this stuff. And if you've got like a four of Doom and they beat it by five or more, you go, all right, well, it just sits there. Mm-hmm. I don't use it. I just get to keep all of my stuff until it would make you fail. Mm-hmm. So. I'll just wait, and then the second you fail by or succeed by, like, three, you go, no, you didn't. Yeah. It just gets to sit there as a big fuck you that dangles in front of you. And basically arbitrarily scares the players from trying to do anything interesting. Anytime and, you're like, oh, I can I can narrowly squeeze victory out of this. Oh, no, I absolutely can't, and I know I can't because I can see that Doom card sitting there. Yeah, again, it's one of the things where doing that makes it so your players are like, I have to play as many cards as I possibly can every single time if I see that you have a Doom card because I cannot let you have that, because I know you can just fuck me at any point. Yeah. Let me ask you a question, John. Do you think that would play out differently if you were if we had actually played this game for a long time? Like, if you and I had sat down and recorded two other people and had everyone learn the rules intimately and then spend hours and hours playing it? Or do you think we managed to more or less pick up on how that mechanic would play based on just reading it? I mean, I think how that mechanic plays is you do it up front, and then the first time the narrator uses that to go like, ha ha, and you fail, everyone just sort of gets real quiet and goes, okay. And then it fully the shifts game. the mood. It changes the mood and it changes the game, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry. I've got a chip on my shoulder recently because I've seen a lot of uh, side, uh, kind of broadsides being fired at us in particular because we don't actually play the games. Yeah. And I'm like, I feel like we've kind of gotten to the point where I don't genuinely need to force these things on other people to go like, this mechanic is bad. <laughs> anyway, uh, would you play this? Uh, I would play it. It seems neat. I'd give it a go. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. W- what about you? Not really. There's plenty of other better superhero games. I mean, maybe I'd give it a try like once just as a novelty, but I don't think it would supplant 
It wouldn't even make my top five of superhero games I would like to play. I mean, the the gameplay mechanic is interesting enough with the card-based system and the, you know, pushing and whatnot that I'm like, I would like to play it. It seems neat. Yeah. I like the system. You know, is it, it's, it's definitely above like Marvel Diceless, for example. Oh, yeah. I'd, uh, I'd even put it above Multiverse. I would put it above Phase Rip. I'd put it above basically all of the other Marvel ones mm-hmm. at this point. All right. So there you go. Fair. That's fair. Okay. Well, there. I, I mean, we have a yes and a no, but that's not a big deal. Yeah. But hey, we're still going to make characters for the game. Yes. And if you'd like to play those characters, I'll, or so yeah, if you yeah, want to play those characters, you can. Sure. just 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 uh, record the episode and write down what we did, and then those characters are yours. I'm not going to stop you. I didn't copyright them. Yeah, I I make it a character TM. Yeah, so so you know if you want to play them, steal them from us. But even then, you're still going to need to give us the money to come listen to them. You got it. So it. that's over at Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/SystemMastery, where if you support us at the paltry bargain basement level of two, I mean, well, it's California. We don't have basements. Yeah. Uh, bargain floor, uh, ground level of $2 a month, the C level of $2 a month, then uh, you'll access the bonus content where we will make characters in the games that are just reviewed. You'll also get a single RSS feed containing all of our major shows ad free. Mm-hmm. Good deal. Why not do that? I strongly recommend it. Uh, otherwise, you know, rate and review us wherever you happen to listen to us. Yep. And go buy our books. We just got a new, uh, I just got a copy of our most recent product uh, right here in my hands. It arrived today. Our deck of mini drinks, which will become available for sale fairly soon. And I got to say, this thing looks really fucking good. It's nice. 50 card. Uh, if you already have the Dungeon Meister cocktail guide, it's got 40 of the recipes out of that, plus 10 new ones with the added twist that it is a random deck of cards where each card has a potion function in 5th edition D&D for that drink. Yep. You can use it as a standard deck of many things type thing where uh-huh. your players draw a card from it and get the effect. You can use it as a potion generator for your characters can make this on downtime. There's even rules in here for using it as a demi-planar bar that your party can go and visit for a while. Yep, it's got a lot of stuff in there, so even if you do have the cocktail book, there's a bunch of in-game stuff that you can get out of this, as well as ten more recipes in addition to what was in there. You got it. And that's, uh, once again, that's actually OGL uh, open. It's usable in D&D, so that's kind of a neat new thing for us. Yeah. Uh, Otherwise, hey, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you over in the bonus content, and you have a good one. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter. And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles. We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the OneShot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com.